0: Good morning, Victor. What should we talk about today? Hey, Alan. It's great to be here with you again. Well, it's May Day. Let's talk about a general strike.
1: Go for it.
0: Well, I took the day off from work. I um, have gotten communication from Cooperation Jackson, and the plan is for a series of one-day strikes. May Day, June 1st, and then they'll see how that goes and aim for something longer-lasting down the road.
1: Okay. That makes sense.
0: Well, it makes sense, um, I guess somewhere, but I'm not so sure down the road it's going to be as propitious as it is right now. Right now, the nation is, is on a knee, right? Everyone's basically not everyone, but all of the essential workers are already on strike. They're already staying home. And this is the time to take just a small, uh, fraction of more workers into a general strike and stay out of work until Congress acts. Congress isn't even notice a one day strike. They don't care. Go ahead have your one day strikes. They can live with that. I think it turns the leverage. That's what Bernie or bust was. It was an electoral leverage, either nominate Bernie Sanders or you guys lose in November. And that's obviously what we're heading toward. But in terms of general strike, where's the leverage from a one-day strike i i don't see it maybe you can explain that to me
1: yeah that that i agree with so if you've got leverage as your goal then voting as we've seen only goes so far so if we want to really increase the leverage then a strike could do it if we're thinking about rolling strikes then it's not just one strike one time and it's not a one-day strike it could be a seven-day strike and then a nine-day strike and the only worry there is I think a lot of the motivation for going out on strike is fear, is that I'm afraid to go to work. I think if I go to work, I might get sick. So now is the time to get the most people involved who wouldn't otherwise have the guts to go out on strike. But if they're afraid of dying, then they, they might just, instead of being courageous and brave like we hope, they're just afraid of one thing more than the other thing if we combine those with the courageous and brave people, you're probably right that the iron will never be hotter than it is right now, unless we have more, knock on wood, unless we have more um, d- disease and mayhem coming in the future.
0: Yeah, we don't know with this virus if it's gonna behave like the Spanish flu and come back in a second, even a third wave, which, which would give uh, strikers another shot to really after medicare for all or something like that because that's going to take uh, a lot of pressure on congress to get medicare for all they obviously don't want to do that um or is this going to be like the sars remember the virus name is sars it is two yes so it, it's a sars like virus and this thing may be gone come summer and be gone for good that's what sars did a little hump and then down and it was over in, in which case if, if the idea of a national strike is to uh, attack this animal, this deadly animal we call the United States government, while it's <laughs> injured, which will make it much easier to take it down and, and, to, get, and to have our way, our way being the striker's way, then, then now's the time when it's down. We don't know what state, I mean, states are already starting to open. Even New York's going to open it in a couple of weeks. So we don't know what's happening on June 1st, and if June 1st is another one-day strike as as planned by Cooperation Jackson, then what? Uh, July 1st? By then, the thing might be over. And again, I just don't see. There's no leverage generated from one-day strikes. They have a list of demands. Nobody's going to meet these demands because they don't have to. Yeah. Everyone's going back to work the next day, unless. These rolling strikes start becoming extended, and I, I and I want to clarify something we said last time, two weeks ago, in our conversation about food strikers, because what we want to exempt healthcare workers. We have a em, healthcare emergency, and suggesting they go on strike would be equivalent of uh, homicide. So we need to protect them, and that and that's why we exempted the transportation workers because they have to get to work, and the uh, energy workers, cause that's what transportation runs on. But we all, we call for a strike on food workers an essential element, right? The problem is these healthcare workers need food too. So I think it's important to draw a distinction on, on the healthcare sector, which is you want to go on strike. If you're in healthcare working for a for-profit corporation, a giant market, or a convenience store, or a truck driver to them, or any anyone along those lines. If it's for profit, stop going to work. Be part of the leverage. But if you're working for a food bank, if if you're if you're a kitchen, a, a restaurant that's making food, maybe you've got a, a grant from the government, and you're making food for healthcare workers, and you're delivering food to those healthcare workers. Obviously, that's something that you'd want to keep. Working, keep doing, it but the the, the the for-profit healthcare or food workers would be enough to uh, force Congress to act,
1: and that would make our consciences feel better. And if you if you think about it that way, what you recommend won't necessarily happen. It's not surgery, yeah. and and it's not an army that we can um, give commands to. It's right. it's an organic event and and the weather who knows you know if it's a nice day on on the beginning of each month would change things a lot for whether it was a, a rain like we had yesterday here in Pennsylvania it was it was not a good day for a general strike yesterday. Today is looking a little bit better but there are so many variables that you can't control and when I when I look at it i'm I've been looking back at 1886 the May day. In Chicago, in and, and there was some nice weather, um, and they had a hundred thousand people in the streets, and they had people, you know, and it was like a picnic kind of. It wasn't violent it, for for three days. It wasn't violent, and then it then it got violent. But the interesting part is that you can't control it. It's if you think about wildcat, what a wildcat strike is and what it means. There are so many variables that are just a crapshoot. So what we hope is that people won't starve to death. What we hope is that truck drivers and other people won't be um, guilty of homicide, like you're saying. And you're putting it strongly, but I think you're putting it accurately and fairly. We can't control. I mean, it's, it's a, it could be a riot. It could be a mob. It could be a, a national, an international mob. It could be absolute mayhem. And so the best thing we can do going into it, because it's like starting a stampede, you you need the stampede to get started. But then after it started, you're not going to be able to control it. And, and so if we if we say the parameters, what we hope would happen beforehand, I think that's good and it will make our consciences feel better. But and another argument is is violence versus nonviolence. And Chris Hedges says it has to be nonviolent and other people. Um, especially young people are saying fuck that shit I think it needs to be violent I think we need to make sure the oligarchs know that we know where they live and and they have houses and we can come visit them and you know we want to scare the oligarchs and we want to scare the government officials and what you have is a lot of different opinions about how um, how how leverage ought to work you know how reasonable it ought to look how do you feel about about the idea that leverage could get out of control and we could create a monster that we have no way of reigning in.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, it's true with Bernie or bust, right? We know the meaning of or bust. We're voting third party. But the media turned that into people staying home, and a lot of people picked up on the fact that, oh, I'm going to stay home. I'm Bernie or bust. No, 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 that's not. So it does. It, it, it has evolved into something that even though we founded that strategy it's out of our control very much like as you suggest a general strike is likely to go whether it becomes violent or not i mean that happened to a certain extent with occupy wall street there was some violence there was some destruction of property out, out west but um I, and chris hedges got involved with that in a, in a discussion during occupy wall street arguing against black box uh black block, black block activities of, you know, smashing windows and things like that. I, um, I'm of the sense, the the same sense I was when I wrote standing on the edge of the next American revolution, which is violence is going to play into the hands of the state, especially when you have a neo-fascist in the white house, that's just going to play, you know, that gives them uh, a reason, a rationality to really clamp down on all of us uniformly. And and throw a whole bunch of people in jail, and you saw what happened with the Haymarket. Yeah. You know, no one knows who threw that bomb, but they they ended up hanging what six, eight anarchists. They, yeah, they, they
1: just blamed the anarchists, and I don't. I think that it was a, a false flag. I think that some. I don't. I what it shows if you go back and do the and look at the story, what it shows is that the the violence was probably perpetrated. that the inspect there were some um inspectors who went and riled up the police and said somebody was speaking in a in a volatile manner. And so you all you all should go shut this down before it gets out of hand. And the violence almost always starts with the police and the hired thugs, the Pinkerton guys that were there. And and I think that's still true now. And you're right that it does help the the government forces more than it helps the people. The people are better not to better off not to instigate violence i agree with chris hedges on that but and gandhi and gandhi and, and, and mlk but what we need to say is that it probably will get started by the by the paid mercenaries of the government and then what do we do you know once well, it starts
0: you can't really fight back i mean there's going to be some of that because people are human and 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 the natural response of being attacked is to fight back but that doesn't mean we take guns to to our to our events whether it's you know once if it does become something outside that's kind of the nice thing about a general strike is you don't have to gather in, in a square or you know town square to get together at all you just have to stay home which is what we're already doing for the most part read a book so, read a book yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't even have to be out there with with confronting the police you can just stay home that's really a a certain safety to this if everyone just doesn't do the old-fashioned get together have rallies and listen to speeches because that gives the cops their opportunity to uh, engage in their violence i'm all for i mean i know people are are you know suffering from cabin fever and i get that I'm not saying stay home as in stay inside the house. I just mean don't go anywhere. Don't go to a rally. Don't, don't, don't participate in that kind of mass mass gathering that gives the authorities, and the private cops, the opportunity to uh, violently bust it up. You can have an effective strike without getting together, especially now online. We have amazing communication opportunities using the internet we don't have to we can think outside the box and another advantage of thinking outside the box this is another topic but but it's related instead of you know people from all over a county getting in their vehicles and traveling some central square downtown for some rally and some meeting and something like that they stay home you know they don't get in their cars they don't burn up that gasoline and 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 that's what this pandemic is actually starting to open people's eyes to is the way the climate the way the earth is responding to less gasoline being burned less stuff being dumped in rivers again i'm i'm jumping ahead to a different subject but but there's that element to staying home or staying around your house uh as opposed to some central gathering we can start doing a lot more with a lot less using a lot less energy and i think we're going to need to down the road but but yeah, I mean, that's one way to avoid the violence. They can't, they're not gonna seek us out one by one, right? They're not even sure who's, at this time, who's on strike and who's in quarantine because they've been exposed to COVID-19. Yeah. So it's really an opportunity now that we may not get down the road, so. Yeah, uh, we've got cover.
1: What would you, uh, before we shift to the environment, what would you say to Chris Smalls and the Amazon workers and the Whole Foods workers, and the target workers, because they, today's the day, and they a lot of them are, are thinking about, what should I do? So if they're just waking up now, and, and we're on the East Coast, you and I, but other people are, you know, it's it's earlier in Oregon right now, so they're just waking up, They're they're thinking about what to do, what would you tell them, especially if it goes a few days, would you say, just stay home? Because some of them have been pretty visible out with their masks on, out in front of Amazon warehouses and other places. What would you tell them?
0: It depends You're- on how they want to approach this. Um, see, I, I'm of the belief that to a certain extent, the end justifies the means and the means could be calling in sick, right? That's a perfectly legitimate thing. It's cowardly, perhaps, because you want to save your job Or they could go ahead, put a mask on. I'm not against gatherings as long as people don't touch each other and they're wearing masks. From a health perspective, I think that's that's okay. And I don't think at this point you're going to see police repression like we've been uh, discussing. Uh, Although, you know, if this goes on for more than a while, then you could start seeing private Security people and outside of Amazon headquarters, wherever people are gathering to protest, you could see that kind of activity broken up. At which point, people, should, in my view, people should disperse, carry on the strike, don't don't go back to work, but disperse and and just stay away from uh, the the violence-prone state that we have and have had for over a century now. I mean, just because Trump's in the White House doesn't mean he's going to be more prone to violence than. A neoliberal or a, a capitalist before, before the neoliberals. You know, you know, the Haymarket was 19th century, long before <clears throat> neoliberalism was much of an idea, or even fascism for that matter. If you were yeah,
1: a yeah. Per- if you were a person who was supposed to go and break up a strike, and it's people in your family, people in your community, um, a big hope is that people who are the thugs, the paid thugs, will say, well, hey, this, I don't have the stomach for this. We've seen in the past wonderful instances like in um, Standing Rock, where where police would just join the protesters. It's like, no, we can't do this. This is crazy. because if if we use the full might of the US military and the National Guard and, and the milita- militarized police forces, we don't have a chance. We don't have enough AK-15s to make up the difference, you know, whether we believe that's a good idea or not. Well, our real hope is that people who are who are being paid by the oligarchs will say, "Fuck this shit. We're not going to do this. We're not going to turn on our own people. We're workers too." And but I, I was wondering what you'd say to the people, like like Chris Smalls, like the other protesters, if you would tell them over time to just stay home and be safe, and then communicate via social media the best you can without getting caught maybe that we all need to stick together and what would you say to shoppers for example of amazon or target or whole foods all these online you know putting truck drivers and delivery drivers in in harm's way and um and warehouse workers we still have warehouse workers what would you say to the shoppers
0: well part of uh the, the general strike today is a shopping strike. So hopefully a lot of people, a lot fewer people will be, you know, logging into Amazon and doing any kind of shopping. And the fact is, and this goes back, you know, this stretches into the environmental discussion we're going to fade into here in a little bit, Yeah. but we shop too much. We buy too much. We consume too much. We throw out too much. We are drowning ourselves in, in, in garbage, in a certain sense, more on the production side, what, what it takes to produce uh, all these goods that we, we seem to have to have. Um, so my, my answer to that, actually, I didn't uh, have it ready to hold up, but in Bernie or Buss, Pioneers of Electoral Revolt, we recommend disrupting the economy through a consumer strike a mass consumer strike that would cause the economy to stop growing, to start shrinking. And that would be the best way to go after Trump and liberals and progressives could actually cooperate on that because neither one of the liberals don't want Trump reelected. Progressives don't want Trump reelected. So on that one single strategy, we actually combine forces. The, and I do allude to the fact that this is envi- has environmental benefits. Um, uh, Instead of buying a new car when you absolutely need another vehicle, get a used car. Stop buying new stuff you don't need. And, and I think this, this sort of has to become a new paradigm. But just just to stay focused on, on your question, stop shopping. Just stop. If you don't need it, don't get it. And if you do need it, get the least that you possibly need. And And, and, and then again, today's May Day. So wait until next week. But at some point there has to be a broad general strike, a, a, a stop, a, a cessation of purchasing, right? In order to uh, have our demands met. What are the demands? Right. You know, again, we, we can't set that, but Medicare for all seems to be a basic one in this time of 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 of, uh, of a health crisis that everyone the worldwide is facing. We can finally get this. We're not gonna get it from you know it, it I, we don't know how this election is going to pan out so biden's already said he would uh, veto medicare for all so really it's better to try to get medicare for all now while the the, the country is sort of on one knee right and, and and leverage might has a better chance of actually working so for it doesn't people- mean it automatically will work if everyone's stops buying stuff and stops going to work, all, all non-essential workers are already basically not working, but so, you know, a faction of the for-profit food workers also go on strike, the, you could actually get something done. But if we wait until, again, I already said this, but if we wait until uh, people are back to work and, and some sort of old norm has been established or a new ad norm has been established, I think it's going to be too late. I think there's going to be, I, I, you know, the, I, I just, I just think it's important to strike this dangerous animal, the U.S. government, while it's on one knee, right? And then we can get our, get more likely to get our way. But again, so for today, stop buying stuff. So for people for the, who, for the long term, stop buying stuff you don't need.
1: So for people who are trying to figure out what demands, because demands are important, we all need to have, in a wildcat situation especially, there has to be some agreement. Back in 1860, whatever it was, I told you a minute ago, back when the May Day strike was happening, people knew that they wanted an eight-hour workday for whatever reason that got into people's heads. Eight hours, and it's almost arbitrary some of the um, anarchists at the time said, "Well what's the difference between an eight hour and a 10 hour? you're still a slave either way. But they went along with it. and everybody and, and it almost to some people doesn't matter. As long as we all agree, that's what we need. So, so part of the purpose of, of our um, shows and and our, and our web pages and our discussions and our posts on social media is to get it clear, make it clear to people what do we agree on if, if that's what we agree on. And I want to make a case for Medicare for all single payer above everything else, above stimulus checks, above um, rent freezes, above uh, credit card freezes and student loan freezes and above everything else that we absolutely need. Because if we can get Medicare for all, there's a reason that Joe Biden and and the machine doesn't want us to get Medicare for all. And it's because it makes it easier to go out on strike when our... Medicare is is connected to our job, we lose our job, we lose our health care. But if we lose our job, but we still have health care, when I when I've been involved in strikes with teachers unions, that's been a major thing is Cobra and all the hassle with Cobra and all the hassle of keeping your young family covered with by health insurance. And, and they'll say, well, I could go out on strike monetarily financially, but I can't afford to lose my health insurance. And the and the powers know this. The powers realize that if they give us health insurance that is not connected to our employment, we have a huge amount of leverage that we didn't have before. Sarah Nelson of the flight attendants union understands this very well. And and union people who really understand not the paid crony fake union leaders that we have, like in my union, but real, real solid people who want the rank and file. To thrive, they're all saying, yeah, Medicare for all, single payer Medicare for all is essential. That, and that's what I'm arguing right now, that should be on the very top of the list. We should go for that. And if they give us nothing else in the first go around, okay. But if we get that, that's going to exponentially enhance our ability to leverage them going forward.
0: Yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me. I mean, I think there are other demands that might be more important, you know true but it won't Green, it, Green New Deal but right now it, it's so clear that people need health care I mean this this dema- demand is obvious beyond the pale it's just something that we absolutely have to have not only for the leverage reasons you laid out but for the fact that we're in a crisis yeah,
1: we're <laughs> in a health crisis, crisis. right? Yeah. exactly and then going forward we'll have more power to deal with the environment if we have more power you know we feel more comfortable going out on strike we can use that comfort and that I mean when we are all weighing cost benefit analysis for our own family situation and part of it is health insurance so as we weigh that going forward for the sake of a of a green new deal or anything else that comes down the pike we have a lot more power if we can just start with health insurance and everyone has that not attached to
0: their job yeah I agree no 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 argument for me on that one so if we the problem, you know, I, the problem I see with cooperation jackson is they have this big long list of, of demands.
1: Right. I and
0: agree. I, and I don't see I just don't see Congress acting on such a long list and so who's going to make the decision? Well, they met 5 of our 15 whatever number of demands are their list. So it's okay let's let's call off the strike and go back to work. I mean I I just think it's a much more clear like the single demand eight hour day, the single demand, Medicare for all, I think that just makes much more sense. We'll know when Trump signs a Medicare for all bill, or we'll know that it doesn't get signed. It'll be a clear cut thing and there won't be any collective need for a collective decision. All right. So we have enough of our demands met, let's go back to work, or we don't have enough of our demands met to go back to work. So I, I just, and I certainly don't see any demands being met from one day strikes. So uh, we'll see how that goes, you know, as they go down the road. If there's a second wave in the fall, if this virus comes back with a vengeance, it may come back in June, for all we know, uh, because of letting up of of the uh, stay at home orders in various states. We may we may see this thing just blow up again. I'd like to I don't even think it's slowed down all that much at this point. There's still thousands of people dying every day. And so, the,
1: and the numbers are hidden. I don't think we even know the numbers.
0: No, we certainly don't know the numbers of positive cases because testing for uh, antibodies suggests that the vast majority of people who are infected don't even know it. They're out there. They're, uh, you know, spreading this contagious disease, but yeah. they have no idea. So yeah. I, I I think this is going to be a tough one to, to, uh, to wrap up, to, you know, Wuhan, had complete, people completely isolated and quarantined in the entire province. And then it was two weeks of no new cases at all, no new cases before they finally uh, released, you know, let, let up on the isolation and let people start resuming their, their lives again. And that worked. So and, and we're nowhere near that. Not in any state we're, we're near that. But the yeah. big pressure in a capitalist economy is, oh, let's get back to work. Let's get this economy up. And, and I think that's more with... Republican governors than democratic governors because they want to make Trump look good. And so they want to turn this economy around. And, and, you know, this is again jumping ahead to ecology, but the worst possible thing we can do is go back to the old norm, which is not sustainable. It is a death sentence for the human race. And the problem is unlike coronavirus, which is immediate, right? If I don't stay home, I might get sick and die climate change and, and the rest of the climate collapse that's underway it is what, 20 years off, 50 yeah. years off, 100 years off. It's, it's harder for people to wrap their minds around compared to a, 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 a threatening virus that's here and now and getting people sick and killing people. But, but it's the same threat except it's actually more dangerous and, and we're going to have to respond. And I don't – and I think <clears> – <throat> If we can jump to uh, the let's
1: jump now to the yeah to Michael Moore's film and let's talk about the idea going forward that he, and this is a smooth transition because we need to keep striking if we have three to eleven day strikes at the beginning of each month, roughly a week every time, it's gonna you know it's gonna have a big effect towards getting to the environmental outcomes that that we need and the people right now involved with with green energy. A lot of them are fooling themselves into thinking that this is going to happen without blowing shit up. We need to keep the leverage going.
0: Well, it's not only just leverage, it's a whole different paradigm of, of being a human on this well the name of, of the documentary, let's just get there is uh, Planet of the People. It's available for free at planetofthepeople.com. and the the argument and they document this very well, so all this green energy the windmills the solar panels the mirrors concentrating light onto a generator all of that uh, is sustained by fossil fuels it's constructed by fossil fuels it's sustained by fossil fuels you can't have this system running uh, without a fossil fuel generator in the background running going in case it needs to click on as you know if the wind stops for example or if the sun suddenly uh, it gets dark or, or at nighttime, it, it, it's supplemented by possible, uh, energy. And there's a whole, uh, I think point of, of this thing is, is that growth economic growth, which liberals and conservatives alike agree on is killing us. It's slowly killing this planet through ex, you know, the extraction process, the threat posed to the environment from mining, from, uh, uh biodiesel generators, right? They're just destroying, tearing down and burning forests in, in burners to generate energy. I just don't understand the logic of that at all. We need trees to convert carbon dioxide into oxygen, and they're burning these trees down as a, as a way of providing energy, which is not green, I don't think at all. But so much of this approach that's been taken is is based upon maintaining our our standard of of living and i just don't think that goal is is sustainable at all
1: maintaining our population numbers we everything that in our economic model we need a new economic model because our economic model can't even handle stopping let alone going backwards it has to keep growing it has to keep growing and the earth is finite whether it's oil, whether it's bio, biofuels, whatever it is, if we keep growing, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how clean our, our um, energy production is, eventually, you come to the end of a finite system, we have to stop growing. And we have to start shrinking, whatever we're talking about population or, or just consumption. And with our economic system, our worldwide economic system, it will collapse, it will quit working, and the bankers, you know, they're, they don't like it because they're only going to live so long and we'll just pass on the the debt to the next generation. Young people are screwed if we just keep growing. Somewhere we have to figure out, and it, and the problem is the people with power are the ones who are going to die first and the people who are going to get screwed are the ones who don't have power yet and and we keep seeing as they get older they just turn into their parents they just turn into the to the same assholes that are already there we've got to figure out through education somehow to turn people's minds around to the idea that we all need to stop thinking that growth has to keep happening and this is where michael moore is pissing off some leftists michael moore yep. and, his, and his crew they're they're suggesting the obvious we have to stop growing and that's where i think you can really see who's in it for real and who's just paying lip service
0: i think some of it is is enlightenment i mean when i watched that documentary i didn't realize how much fossil fuels go into the construction of these huge windmills you know i didn't realize how much cement it takes to to brace them to the ground all of which are contributing to climate change. So we we do need to rethink this whole process, to uh, figure out ways to do things manually, uh, figure out ways to do things without uh, the use of fossil fuels. I mean, some of this is above my pay grade. I'm not an economist, yeah. so I, I can't uh, outline a new paradigm of, of, of political economics that that is non growth or even shrinks with benefits, but it's going to have to be democratic. Uh, We can go there because if it's democratic, then at least people will have a piece of what, what is left over when with growth is given up and a new, I don't know, steady state economics. I don't even think we can maintain the the level of, of economic activity that we have, now from year to year forget growth even no growth is too much what we're doing now is too much the the world can't survive the planet actually it's not even the world it's the planet the the entire ecosystem can't survive the amount of extraction and pollution and poisoning that uh industrial society is waging upon this earth so
1: yeah
0: if it's democratic at least the, the what's left over in a shrinking economy can be divided a little a little more. I don't want to say equally, but equitably. So there's there are no as as Bernie would recommend. There are no billionaires. Hell, we don't need people with a hundred million dollars. I mean, if you can't live comfortably and be an entrepreneur, or do things that that sort of in are encased with this possibly archaic idea of economic freedom with 5 or 6 million dollars then you 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 just need to find a different life or something maybe you need to be uh, bumped off and, and and again that advocates for violence that I'm that I'm not advocating for actually but the fact is you know some certain kind of people are leading us toward and and, and the president certainly is is in that category leading us toward a future that is going to cause mass the 1st it'll be mass displacement as the oceans rise, but eventually it's going to be more pandemics like what we have now and, and just a lot more death, starvation, because you know we, we have more droughts and more desert desertification and so forth. It's just going to get real nasty and brutish, and life is going to be short. We're going to almost go back to a state of nature no. if this ecology collapses the way the... the Ecologists think it's collapsing. Now it's
1: collapsing. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. Caitlin Johnstone talks about the um, kinds of people that need to be billionaires. She talks about the kinds of sociopaths, psychopaths. They lack empathy. She talks about them in terms of personal space, like the kinds of people right around us that we need to deal with who are sociopaths. But it isn't about um, wealth and consumption. It isn't about having more boats like... Betsy DeVos or it isn't those are just symbols what they really want these sociopaths they want power and so you're saying well maybe we just have to bump them off maybe maybe that's what it would take and I can't disagree with that because I don't think you can cure them they're always going to be waiting in the wings waiting to you know if the earth resets and has enough viruses to kick us all off and the air gets clear again and the water gets clean again then what happens these assholes keep coming back up and and then we do it all over again we have to have some democratic way and some agreement amongst ourselves the non-sociopaths that we have to keep paying attention to the sociopaths and the psychopaths and not allowing them to get where they are now fdr didn't achieve that fdr just made a deal with them FDR said, "Okay, I'll give you um, if you if you give me half of your money, then I'll make sure you stay in power. And look where that got us. They came back with a vengeance. We actually have to deal with these personalities and it's it's not going to be fun. And we have to deal with our own instincts because we have as a human race, we have the instinct to reproduce. We have the instinct to to occupy the land and fight with each other over who dominates it. And we have to evolve. We have to evolve socially and emotionally, empathetically to the place where we agree that we'd all be much happier if we didn't have so many billions of people. And how can we, in a humane way, reduce how many people there are and reduce our individual consumption and and change our values? And that's why I've always wanted to be a teacher. I think the real solution here if it's going to be democratic and not just tyranny of the good, which I don't agree with. I don't think we should have tyranny of the good. I think we should always have democracy. But if we do, we have to have the kind of education, whether it's a systematized systematic education or not, we all have to figure out values that are sustainable. And right now, we have people who have and people who don't have. And we, we hope that the people who don't have we'll get a fair shake and they'll get their day. But if they just rise up and then act, act horribly like the people currently are acting, we won't have fixed anything. We actually have to change our collective values before anything will, will be fundamentally improved.
0: And the problem, the, the I agree with all that, but the problem, the difficulty is we don't have a lot of time yeah <laughs> the, the environment is the, the earth's environment is collapsing now we're in the midst of climate change it's not something that's going to happen in the future it's happening and it's happening at a more rapid rate because of positive feedback loops just for the viewer who may, may not understand what i'm talking about uh arctic ice is slowly melting because of the greenhouse gases as that melts off enough of that melts off so that there's water in the Arctic Ocean, showing in the summertime, that water absorbs more heat than the ice would. The ice reflects heat; it's white, reflects heat. The water is blue; and absorbs the, the sun's heat and warms up even more, producing more ice melt, producing more visible water in the summertime, producing more ice melt. So it's a vicious, positive cycle that's that's underway now, and and you know almost impossible for for to stop and reverse how do you do that you have to cool the entire planet well that's a massive engineering problem unprecedented uh in terms of human ability to control the earth other than the fact that we're warming it how we cool it one of the one of the points in um another uh special that was on cnn i think it was saturday night about climate change we're in the midst of transformation. Either we're going to transform the world into a sustainable economy, or the environment's going to transform the world into a collapsed economy. Uh, slowly, you know, might be here, might be there. One sector might be another sector. Again, desertification, hunger, relocation. We're in the midst of a massive transformation, one way or the other. Yeah. <clears throat> so. If, it's, if we're going to sustain ourselves, there's going to have to be just an unbelievable amount of, of carbon capture technology, both hardware and uh, green, in other words, forests and floating green uh, islands that, uh, islands is the wrong word, but docks, floating docks in the ocean that have you know massive amounts of seaweed that absorbs carbon dioxide and turns it into oxygen, things like that. We can do this. We're still in the position that, that is possible, but we're running out of time. And, and that's the whole problem is <clears throat> this, things don't, people don't change suddenly unless we can use this pandemic, the, the, the necessary changes we're all going through, in, in terms of our lifestyle, even as an essential worker. <clears throat> things are different for me because it takes me 15 minutes just to <clears throat> arrive at home. <clears throat> Excuse me, because <clears throat> I have to get undressed in the garage. We, it, it, it's a space of a barrier. But these kinds of changes <clears throat> can become permanent: consuming less, traveling less, commuting to work less. If you don't need to commute to work, if you can work from home, companies need to figure out how to make that happen on a permanent basis. If you don't need to work, you need to figure out a way to sustain people not working, not producing more, not consuming more. But again, but this is. A, this goes completely against the grain of not just neoliberal predatory capitalism, but capitalism in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, it's always been a growth system.
1: It's not just the assholes at the top. We have to look in the mirror. We all have to figure this out. Democrats, Republicans, progressives, independents. We all have to figure out that we are we're the problem. We have to figure out our own shift and, and we don't have time. It really looks hopeless. It looks like there's not time for us to figure this out collectively, if we would anyway, because we're so damn stubborn. So it looks pretty much, as you talk, I think, well, yeah, that'd be great if we all understood this and we all got behind it, but we won't. So basically we're fucked because we're not going to figure this out in time. It's obvious that there's no way we're going to figure it out in time. So if some dictator comes in and says, okay, this is what we have to do, whether you like it or not, somebody like that could save us. But I I don't know if that would even do it. I don't know that that would save us because then we'd rebel and it would be... Humans humans are a virus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we are. And the problem with a dictator is there's 180 nations. We need 180 benevolent dictators. Uh, and, And again, it's just an impossible an impossible task. I mean, we said in 2016, that the political revolution is is necessary for environmental reasons To have someone like Bernie Sanders in the white house, who would be working with other nations, other energy producing nations, figuring out how to coordinate a, a winding down of, of the fossil fuel sector and, and replacing it with uh, other energy, other systems that are More ecological friendly, but but people are so stuck on growth right now. That's going to be the hardest sell. The bully pulpit would have helped people understand we can't keep growing. But um, it 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 may be hopeless. We may be just sort of on a train with no uh, brakes, heading toward a bridge that's down. Except it's not going to be that sudden. This collapse is going to take probably. I don't know three to ten decades for for the human race to go extinct or near extinct which is how that planet of the people begins if you remember they asked they're asking people well, how long will human humans survive yeah and they had all kinds of wide answers and, and clearly we don't know you know how long humans are going to be able to survive in a in a you know, we don't know how, how this collapse is going to take place. Are, are the nuclear power plants going to be shut down properly, or are they going to, you know, un- un- unmanned for whatever reason, because for whatever reason that they might melt down, and then we could be living on a planet that's so toxic that humans, just, no human can survive anywhere. We don't know how this is going to go, but it, it we're, in, we're it's going to change. One way or another, it's going to change, and, and we're in a race between... Uh, survive uh, sustainable approaches, not just technologies. If we, all, if we think there's going to be a technological answer to, to our problems, we're on the wrong track. Yeah. There will be some technological answers to our problems, but there's also going to have to be personal changes. Yeah. Yeah. Changes in lifestyle, changes in consumption habits, changes in, uh, in work habits. It, it, I can just go on and on changes in expectations for the next generation be doing better than the last generation why why does that have to be the case aren't we don't we have enough already what we need is equity not growth and we need to figure out a way to transform the system because what we've been doing and this is the whole a big point of this planet of the people what we've been doing in terms of green energy isn't working in fact it's failing horribly and we need we need a whole new approach so I don't know. I don't know if there's any a, a room for any hope anywhere until things fundamentally change and start moving in, in a positive, sustainable direction. I, I I don't think there is hope. I was asked about hope on a scale of one to 10 in one of the interviews I had promoting Bernie or Bust the Book. She, she asked me on a scale of one to 10, what is what is my level of hope? Be, 10 being very hopeful. And I had to come up with a number less than one. I, you know, I think it was around 0.3. I think we're running out of time. I don't think there's enough people who understand what we're facing, understand the stakes and understand what what's needed. John Stone had a cartoon once in one of her pieces. It was a politician apparently talking to a room full of people and he asked the room full of people, who wants change? And everyone raised their hand. And the next frame, the politician asked, who wants to change? <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. Everybody just started to look down. And that's a problem. I mean, that, that's a big problem. Nobody wants to do the the work. It's not even work. The, the changes of, of why are you on Amazon three times a week buying stuff? Why are you getting, you know, shopping just to feel better? Why are you driving around in your car? Because your grandparents or your parents used to do it on a Sunday. That made sense perhaps back then to get out of the house, but it doesn't make sense now. We have to change family drives into family walks. And that's just one of hundreds and hundreds of, of ideas that need to that need to take place if we're going to um, convert this world economy into something that, that can survive. And I think there's a lot of things we can learn from this pandemic, but uh, if, if everyone's clamoring to get back to the old normal, yeah. we're fucked. Yeah. We're just fucked. The old normal it just isn't sustainable.
1: Here's an idea that can wrap it up. If we're thinking about media, because we, we're sitting here nodding our heads at each other, we're agreeing on what needs to happen in terms of not just who wants change, but who wants to change, the media could be instrumental in helping us figure out that we need to change. We need to change our attitudes and values, but the media is, they're not working for, our, for us. And that's why we started, that's why I started the Bernie or bust show, which morphed into Howl Underground because, you know, uh, well, lots of reasons that I, I've kind of avoided talking about. But if, if you think about it, the whole point of, of my thrust in life right now is to educate, like I said, and the media are anti-educators. The media are working hand in glove with our oppressors so we have to make a as we figure this out together we have to get the word to other people and the media is not only wrong it serves as a blockade people aren't aren't they've been taught not to trust anything that doesn't come through the mainstream media so somewhere or other we need to get the word out to people that they should share non-approved media they, they should vet it. They have to pay more attention. They, they have to separate the malarkey from, from the good stuff, but we need to learn how to do that too. But once we figure out where the good sources of information are, we need to share the fuck out of them and get them around the media blockade because the media are the enemy. Even Chris Hayes, even though I, I liked what he did the last couple of days, even, even Rachel Maddow, they're just nerds lying on behalf of the state. We we need to get we need to stop consuming um, extra groceries, but we are extra shit that we don't need that'll end up in a landfill. But we also need to stop consuming corporate news, and that that might be as important as anything else we are, we've been talking about as a way to to help ourselves.
0: Because I mean, you have listeners, a very concrete example of what you're talking about, particularly with MSNBC. I used to like MSNBC, particularly Chris Hayes. Yeah, none of them have talked about. Biden's uh, cognitive decline. None of them. They're not, it's like it doesn't exist, right? And, and so what they're telling, what that's that's a lie of omission. It's a major economic. a major story as as big as Tom Eagleton in 1972 when they found out that he had been hospitalized for uh, depression multiple times. Biden's cognitive decline is as big of a story, and it's being buried by both MSNBC and CNN. They are lying. They're not, as you said, they're not reliable sources of information. So, and that leads to great difficulties. What is, what are reliable sources? Democracy Now, the War and Peace report, obviously, is, is a pretty good one. And you, and I don't want to tilt my hat to you. You do a service, and I don't even know if you appreciate uh, what you. A certain extent of what you're doing. A lot of times you're reading articles. And I, I saw a tweet from one of my followers yesterday, frustrated because she has um attention deficit disorder mm. and she can't read. She she just can't read these articles and she wants someone to read to her. And that's what you're doing. You're serving a, a purpose you probably weren't even aware of. When you're reading some of these articles that you're reading, or the history of of, of the Haymarket protest, you're serving there's just some people i mean it's nice it's like audio books right for some people who might be driving which is a large part of my job unfortunately is getting around various uh, locations that i have to do my job in i can be listening to you and, and driving down the road and and sort of doing two things at once a lot of people can benefit from the kind of reading of articles that you do and of course you add commentary too but the, the, there's a huge service you're providing to people that uh, that need that just don't have the time or the f- mental focus to actually sit and read an entire article so you're doing great work there and and i want to commend your review of, of the hay market uh mayday history because that was good stuff there was a lot of it i knew but uh it was good to remember and there were some details in there that i didn't know so so kudos on that and and keep it up and and uh, and the revolution goes on we it, it's just much deeper and broader and more difficult than trying to get somebody elected to the white house
1: right right and th- so yeah thank you for the, your kind words and and we have to keep focused we have to keep paying attention so this can't be an election year phenomenon we have to keep on fighting the fight and educating i that bernie or bust should have gone on from 2015 solid solid all the way through because I think I got complacent. I, I found you in 2019, I think, or 2018. I found you again because I found you the first time. But I just it just kind of fell off my radar, and we can't afford that. We have to just insistently tell people. So I'll, I'll keep condensing the news and finding it and reading it out loud, and hopefully we can get people to, to follow it and share it and, and other people too. You mentioned some other great sources of information and I'll keep referencing them, but we have to, we have to really probably start with the information war first.
0: And there is information wars. I mean, you, you get that from just comparing, for example, MSNBC and, and Fox News, yes. neither of which are telling the complete truth, but both of them telling two different versions of reality. And, and so we are in information wars and people <clears throat> need to figure out how to distinguish between, they have to vet their, their, their trusted sources. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then rely upon them eventually. And, and there are people who trust, um, Jones, Alex Jones, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's a reliable source of, of information to some people on the right. So it, it's, it's a very difficult situation, <clears throat> I can quote Maddow from years ago. <clears throat> she said the left and the right used to disagree on what to do about things. And now the left and the right disagrees on what what is true. What is true, right? That That again goes back to that information wars. There are people who believe, people on Fox, there are people on, even when Fox is telling the truth, like when they were talking about Biden's cognitive decline, a lot of those folks were talking about that for a while. You had somebody on Reliable Sources come on and, and tell Brian and the audience, oh, they're lying, and, and, and Stelter didn't take them to issue, and, and David Sirota was the other guest, and he never said, no, no, Biden is suffering. from." He didn't even call them to, to uh, the truth there. Yeah. calm out as, as you know, the, the, the claim that the Fox news hosts were lying about Biden's cognitive decline was the lie. Yeah. The hosts weren't lying. The, the, the Biden representative was lying because clearly Biden's suffering from some sort of dementia. So uh, it, it, it's not easy in, in Bernie or Bust, the book, I do list, uh, re- reliable sources for revolutionary news. And I think that's part of it is, uh, where, what good sources you know in other words we tend to watch and listen to what we already agree with nice. and, and i think we can agree that that's not always the best bet but finding reliable sources that we disagree with is not always easy and i i could recommend for example american conservative it, it is a good intelligent right-wing publication that's out there and people can can uh read it and they might disagree with it, but it's intelligent. And sometimes people have a, when you read and take seriously different views from your own, sometimes you may realize they have a good point there, you know, in terms of maybe protecting Liberty or, or, you know, security or whatnot. So as we engage in this information war, we, we do need to be open-minded enough to seek out reliable sources that we disagree with Very good. So that, we, so that we have a, you know, it's basically an old liberal paradigm. You need to be open-minded at the same time as seeking, vetting your sources.
1: If it's a mutual search for truth, as opposed to just arm wrestling contests, we'll come out fine with disagreement. We'll come out fine hearing all sides of the issue. And, and, but it, it does, it often just turns into a wrestling contest to see who's a better, who's better at arguing my team versus your team. But I think that there are people on the right. Um, and, and conservative isn't a dirty word in my book. So uh, liberal is becoming a dirty word in my book, because some of the people I've been, some of the history of, of the new Democrats, makes your skin crawl, and they call themselves liberals. So you have to figure out what what's what there but, but I think if, if we're talking to an honest conservative about truth, what's true, then, then it's only gonna help us to talk to people who disagree with us as long as they're talking to us in good faith. And as long as we're looking in the mirror at ourselves and saying, we are also talking, speaking to them in good faith. Good faith has to happen. And that, again, that comes back to education. We have to educate people what it is to, to speak in good faith. And not to start this topic, but if we are talking about Biden being a rapist in the Me Too movement, which, which we haven't been talking about, you, you have to look at yourself again and say, am I operating in good faith if I can vote for a lesser evil candidate for any reason? And, and I think we need to, to really keep going forward in good faith. And that's, that's not happening, even with some of my favorite progressives. I'm seeing right. some of my favorite lefty pundits, and very few of them can really pass that test. Are, are they operating in good faith?
0: No, I agree. I think there's a, there's a lot of reasons why, uh, the Sanders campaign didn't, wasn't successful. And, you know, we'll, we'll do our finger pointing down the road. There we go. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to make that judgment. Is this person operating in good faith? Is this person who's who might be saying something we know to be untrue. Where do they get that information from, you know, that are, and, and, and <clears throat> is somebody open-minded enough to change their mind? Look here, here's documentation that shows what you're saying isn't, isn't true. Sometimes that has the opposite effect. It just causes them to hold firm in their false beliefs. I mean, so we have difficulties and problems that just in terms of information war, we have problems that might be insurmountable And, and this whole, climate collapse or change and devastation that we're in the midst of might be insurmountable, it's particularly when you look at uh planet of the people and, and, realize that everything, almost everything we've been doing so far is wrong. It's just not working. And that's why things are getting worse. So, I mean, we don't have much time to turn things around and yet that's, that's the only approach we have. If the human race is going to survive, we should be able to survive millions of years before the, the, uh sun gets too large to sustain life on earth but we're not going to make it a thousand years or maybe not even a hundred years if we keep on our the old if we go back to the old norm we just can't yeah
1: okay well that was a good hour well spent i appreciate your time and your good ideas i don't do you have anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up
0: Go on strike, stop working, stop buying stuff, and uh, let's start making these longer. Let's make June a week instead of a day. Uh, we'll see. I think we have to try to make the case to Cooperation Jackson down in Mississippi to uh, start making these longer and and build leverage so we can actually get some demands met.
1: Very good. All right, then. Until next time, keep the coffee hot and... and- and peace out.